critics attack It feels like I've been talking to myself again Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Retro Night and uh, big welcome to Mitch and Steve Hasty, of course, regulars on the Three Amigos. Stu Penman's back after making a stunning debut last week. And George, um, back by popular demand, we've found us. <laughs> found us. Um, obviously, our fans wanted you, George. I've been under immense prep all week. <laughs> Find a slot for George. So here you are. And uh, it's the Retro Show. And we're talking about Aston Villa today. Obviously, we started last week. If you didn't catch it with Arsenal, uh, some great reminiscence and some great stories about Arsenal home and away over the years. Um, so it's uh, it's over to you guys, really. Uh, George, um, first impressions, your, your first memory when, when somebody says Newcastle, Aston Villa, what's the first game that comes into mind for you? Well, it's uh, a game in the uh, uh, early 60s. I can't remember exactly, but it's not the game I remember. It's an incident in the crowd, I remember. I think I said to you, uh, when I think of Aston Villa, it's incidents in the crowd and off the field things I remember. And the reason I remember that game uh, was not just because we won, but it, I went with my father. Neil nearly told you this story on Three Amigos a couple of weeks ago. My father had this routine. He, he stood about 50 steps from the 10-minute flag at the Gallagher end. And then at half time, he could get out easy and get his refreshments. And his refreshment was a cup of Oxo. And so he brought me a cup of Oxo. But at the time, and even now, if I get near Pepper, I love Pepper, but if it gets near me, I end up with the hiccups. My father brought, <laughs> my father brought this Oxo. And I didn't think about it. I just took a sip and I thought, Oh, I So I thought, well, I'm away now. I might as well drink a lot. So I just downed it, you see, and got rid of it. Well, about five minutes after I downed it, I started to hiccup. Now, I can tell you, when I hiccup, it's <laughs> it, it really is loud. And it went on and on. After about 10 minutes, some of the wags in the Gallic at end were copying us. So I was going, <laughs> and all over, the, all over the Gallic at end, you could hear people going, <laughs> and then the, 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 the lads were with me, Dad. They all started giggling, and before long, half the Gallagher then was in, was in fits of laughter at me uh, hiccuping. What Bobby Mitchell thought when he came to take a left wing corner on that then, I don't know what the hell he thought while laughing at, but it was it was actually me, not him. And, and the hiccups went on to the point where I was starting to feel uh, poorly with it, so I just went out. The first time I can ever remember leaving the match early, even before the 10 minute flag went down, for God's sake. And I never did that. So I just went out and uh, I think I went, I told my dad I'd go to Mark Tony's and get a coffee to get rid of it. And I just waited there for my dad. <laughs> so so that's <laughs> that's the first memory of, of Aston Villa. Um, and as I say, it was it was early 60s because I, I wasn't actually playing myself. And, and that's why I went with my dad to go and see the game. Um, but it was. Well, I'm, I'm I am really pleased, George, that you know we have found an era which you weren't at, and of course that's <laughs> 1924. Um, although I did scour the picture to see if you were in it, but I'm clearly 1924. You weren't born. Um, of course, that was the FA Cup final, um, yeah. which Newcastle played against Aston Villa, and and it was a final tie which Newcastle won two nil. Um, it didn't indeed. It didn't indeed. Just for fun, lads, can anyone remember the scorer? Uh, no. John Allen, Allen, no, no, Stan Seymour and Neil Harris got the goals, right? And it was, right, known, it was right. known as the rainy day final due to the weather that day, it's horrible, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's the reason that there's not many good condition programs left for the game. So, anyone who collects programs and especially cup final programs in Newcastle struggle to find one of them, they're like uh, rock and horse. Shit basically because the uh that that there wasn't many there wasn't many available so uh interesting fact that that's me interesting fact for the night lads neil <laughs> over to you mate um your your first thoughts when we talk about aston villa two games and i'm sure we'll talk about both tonight um that relegation and everything that went with it uh yeah. whether we're fighting to stay in the premier league and me and steve have done a lot of work well i'm biased to try and get the get the crowd work up with the home games and then went away and we had it all to gain 
um, and we were let down by a squad who really didn't care enough. Um, and another classic 90 minutes of football spoiling a really good weekend away. But then to get our revenge after we'd been promoted again with the opening day two seasons later was quality. Um, and, and so they're, they're the two things that spring to my mind straight away, those two games. And, and probably a lot about what I'll talk about tonight revolves around both games, really. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and, and it's created a modern day rivalry, really, which, which is based on that. Um, and, and for a team who, to be fair, I used to have a lot of time for, you know, you've got to remember, certainly when I was growing up in the 80s, they won a European Cup final. They were a team on the way up. Um, they took Peter with off us and he went and scored the winning goal in a European Cup final. Right. You know, all those kind of things. And and so they were a team I had a lot of time for because they, they were always associated with trying to play good football and, and doing good things for the English game. Um, but then after that relegation weekend in particular and everything that happened after the game, yeah, it, it, it makes me very, very, very difficult to have any kind of sympathy for Villa when they get to the bottom. Yeah, John Askew, 25 years ago, my pal put 50 pence on Barry Venison versus Villa to score the first goal. The miracle happened and we had a night on the tune. <laughs> great story, that. Um, Craig Bellamy, yeah, I was going to mention this one, nutmeg on Peter Schmeichel. I think at the point he just oozed confidence. This is a great one, uh, Stu. I mean, uh, this is one of my highlights, which I was going to bring up tonight, but we'll bring it up now because you've mentioned it. 3-1 uh, was a mint game under Bobby Robson. Shearer scored a belt of volley past Schmeichel. You can see it on the internet, still available. Shearer's, Shearer talks about it. It's, it's in his top five goals. He could do now, but watch it fly in the top corner while it's been rooted to the uh, to his line. I mean, that goal in particular was, was an absolute belter, and he, he got a he got what, what Rob Lee says was the cross that made it, but it was a Rob Lee cross and Shearer just oh. Shearer just hit, hit it with his instep and it flew past Schmeichel into the top corner. And the image of Schmeichel just standing, looking and then realising and putting his hands on his hips and going, how on earth did you score that? It's uh, it's one of those great memories. Steve, uh, your, your memories that spring to mind when you say Aston Villa? Uh, early 60s, Gallagher end. There was a bloke next to us, got the hiccups. Uh, went on for ages. And then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, funny enough, I mean, like Neil, the, 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 I think I, I did have a lot of time for Aston Villa um, back in the day. You know, when the, when they won the European Cup, when Peter Wither was playing for them, uh, they played some majestic football. People like Tony Morley, who played great players. Uh, they were always one of those clubs that that seemed to, to want to play decent football. Uh, but then when you went to Villa Park, I hated it. I thought, I, I thought that, I thought that, I know people have this nostalgia for old grounds, and we talked about it last week with Highbury. Um, but quite frankly, I, I, I just always thought Villa Park was a tip. To be perfectly honest, I think it was partly down to the fact that where it was, you know, it, it was one of those journeys in that I never really enjoyed. I only went, I think, I only, I think, only went to Villa Park twice, uh, and on both occasions, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I'll tell you the truth, I can't even remember the score. The, 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 the time we went down was during the uh, it was during the Keegan era uh, when he was manager. Um, but Ronnie took us down. Uh, Ronnie was a taxi driver over in the West End. A uh, good friend of mine, a uh, good friend of my pal Mick, who travelled everywhere with him. And uh, Ronnie decided that it would be a good idea if Wall went down there. And he knew this pub we could go to. The, all the usual patter from Ronnie. Ronnie, being a taxi driver, knew his way around like every city in Britain, you know, till you actually got there. And then it was like, well, I thought you knew the way, you know, one of those lads, real <laughs> salt of the earth, proper West End character, you know. Um, <coughs> but he, he took me down. I think I think the game was a nil-nil or we got beat with a you know, one out with a few minutes to go or something like that. But I, like Neil, when when we when it got to that sob on the time situation, like what little respect I had for Villa just went completely out the window, to be perfectly honest. Um, and you're right that that goal that uh, that that uh, Shearer scored. Uh, I think if if Alan was honest, he's probably still looking at it from his reaction, wondering how it went in the top corner as well, because it wasn't the usual reaction, was it? When Shearer scored a goal, it wasn't the run round no. with the arm in the air. It was very much a like frozen to the spot, a bit like Michael was at the other side. He's like that, wasn't he? He's like that. Just had his hands up and he and he turned round and looked, and I think Cantona-esque. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And quite right, because it was an absolutely, you know, remarkable bit of skill, just like you say, just sort of stroked it with the instep, just sent it back in the at 90 degrees to where it came from, you know. Um, and it was a lovely cross. I mean, we'll give that to Rob Lee, because uh, if we didn't, we would probably get gripes off from the next time we ever meet them. Um, so, you know, it, it was, it was, it was sweet. Um, but then I think uh, the the best one was the the revenge game, the six. You know, when we hit six past them, you know, they took the lead as well, didn't they? And I think the next thing we know, it was six and out uh, or six goals on the trot. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that game. I was with Bill Corkin in the uh, in the Leasers end for that particular match. And uh, the sun was shining and we were dancing. Honestly, we were dancing. I think that was, um, I mean, that was Andy Carroll who got the hat-trick. You can see him there That's celebrating great. with Kevin, Kevin Nolan got two that day. Fantastic game, that. And um, as uh, Billy quite rightly points out, um, my favourite game was a 6-0. Andy Gray had been banging on about us being relegation favourites. Villa had sent us down and been smug about it. Great Carroll hat-trick. Thought he would become a legend. I think we all did, didn't we, Steve? We all thought Andy Carroll was oh, going to yeah. be one. And, and of course, that that performance probably was one of those performances that, that made Liverpool fork out thirty-five million for him. Definitely, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, when you see a player playing for his hometown club, scoring a hat trick in the manner that he did, um, and the adulation he was getting, that that made him look special. Um, unfortunately, it made him look special to uh, not just to Liverpool, but to Mike Ashley. Who decided? Yeah, you know what? I can make some money on this guy, which was, you know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it, it it sounded like a good deal at the time, and I'm sure Andy is probably the first one to say that he, you know, was a deal that he had to, he had to jump to, he had to take. Um, but within with hindsight, when you look at his career, you know, going to Liverpool when he did, uh, the way Liverpool were at, the, at that particular time. The injuries that he picked up and the respect that he didn't get from the terraces in the same way as he was adulated on the on the Gallagher end, um, I don't think it did him any favours, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, you know, the rest's history. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Villa, six. Fantastic to knock six past them, Steve. Yeah, no, 100%. Stu, your, your memories when people mention Newcastle against Aston Villa? Well, I might need to take some time with this one because it's a story, but I need to build the background into it. But uh, most of it is out of pure justification, to be fair, but it will become apparent as the story goes. Um, for some reason, I've never liked Villa. Now, by the end of this little tale, it might become clear as well why I, why I don't like Villa. But if you remember back when we first got promoted under, the, under Keegan and we had Villa away one of the first... Maybe it's the first six or seven games of the season. Malcolm Allen was playing for us. He scored that game. We won 2 0. But at the time, I was doing, uh, finishing the last year of my A levels because I, I stayed on, did an extra year, then I did two years of A levels. And that's true as well, believe it or not. And <laughs> sorry, it is. So, what I was doing, if you, if, you, if we go back to the, the time where you, there was a progression of when you used to go to matches, you know, you used to. It used to be the supporters' buses or the Armstrong Galley buses, as they were sometimes. And then you would get the night buses and then so on and so forth. But anyway, I'd worked a night shift in a bakery because I was doing that to subsidise, obviously, the drinking and the football on the Friday. And I'd finished early Saturday morning <laughs> and went home, well, went to my parents, got showered, breakfast, straight into town on the bus. And if I'm sure there's many people out there who can remember, you know, you weren't allowed to drink on the bus, but everyone did. You know, you had your two-litre bottles of Coke filled with vodka or Bacardi and, and off you went. So, with no sleep for about 20, maybe 30-odd hours, I get to Villa Park and I'm steaming. And we won the game, everyone's happy. And I'm just getting myself back to the, the bus when i seen a very good pal of mine, uh, Darren Stewart, who actually Steve H and Mitch met at the... Kevin Nolan do that you did, Steve. Oh, you, yes. Right, yeah. uh, so I met him. He was down there with his, who is now his like, father-in-law. And his father-in-law was in the Navy and his best pal was from the Birmingham area. And they were staying down for the weekend. So I bumped into them. And his father-in-law, Alec, lovely fella, was like, come on, Stu, son, uh, come and stay with us. You know, we're going out on the night. You know, there'll be extra room. Now the lad's got a big place and all that. And I was like, no, no, sorry, I need to get back. I've got work at nine o'clock tomorrow morning because this is the times when night shift was time and a half and 
Sundays was double time. You know, so I, I needed the graft. So I had the willpower of a Milton Mars bar and agreed to stay down as long as they, they agreed to drive back by six in the morning so I'd be back in Newcastle before nine o'clock. So already got a skin full. We get back there. The Navy guys were drinking the rum and we felt indulged. And I was 18, 19, I think, at the time. So we end up going out round the town. Now, we're staying in a place called Sutton Coalfield, which is a bit of a well-to-do area in, in the Birmingham, Birmingham city. So it's one of those houses you go in at the time. I had seen nothing like it. You walk in the front door and there was two staircases going up. And, and I was like, whoa, what we've walked into here. So be on your best behaviour, you know, be polite and charm the, charm the mother and etc. So anyway, we go out, had a right good skinful, ended up in there. It was, I don't know if it was a, I know it was in Aston, but I don't know if it was a social club or a, you know, like a old Navy club or something. We're drinking rum and at the time, me and Darren, uh, we'd just been watching a rerun of, of Readers in Pets. And we think we're hilarious, you know, asking everyone if they're in the West Bromwich and District Building Society. <laughs> you know, and this was like, how, how we didn't get a clip, I don't know, you know, but we're full of ourselves and full of the ill, etc. So eventually we go back in uh, Marge, uh, sorry, Morgs, her name it was Kelly Morgs. She's put loads of sandwiches on and a bait and everything else. And I was the new addition, so okay, we'll make a room up for you because they had plenty. So the one thing I always did is make sure I had a glass of water on the side of my bed and now when you wake up, you can have a drink of water. So I asked her where the toilet was, you know, knowing I'd been drinking all day. And she says, uh, just follow me, I'll show you. She says, just across the landing, it's in that door there, I'll leave the light on for you. So, you know, in case you need it, I went, no problem. So this is about two in the morning. We're getting up at five to leave at six. And I think, I'm not going to get much sleep anyway, but <laughs> straight out. Out like a light, proverbial light. So anyway, I must have woke up. To this day, I still can't even tell you what's happened here, but uh, Darren swears blame this happened. So I've got up, don't know what's happened. So at five o'clock, I'm sure someone shakes this day. Come on, breakfast, get your stuff, we're leaving. Come get your breakfast. And you walk into this like, lovely kitchen, and people are sitting there, and you know when you walk in a room and it's just deathly silence, you think, oh, well, what's going on Yeah. What's happened? I wonder, you know, there's been a death in the family or something like that. And then my scrambled egg and toast got put down on the table, but with a clatter. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it can't be me. I'm always polite. And it wasn't until we got in the car, we're leaving just before six. We left earlier than we should have, just before six. And Alec, the father-in-law, Alec Simpson, he's turned around. He went, you've really embarrassed me. I've done this man all my life. And I says, what are you talking about? And he says... <laughs> You got up for a pee in the middle of the night. And I says, I couldn't have. I says, we didn't go to the bed until two, and you woke us up at five. No, you did, you got up. And I says, well, she left the light on, didn't she? So I, I must have found it, no problem. He went, no, the light you found was on, in their wardrobe. They had one of these big posh wardrobes, you know, and the light come on. And that was apparently the, the light that I found, and all these designer clothes for the... <laughs> ended up getting a bit of... Vodka and Bacardi and rum and lager, etc. Talked on it. So I have to apologise again. So that was that was the story. And to this day, I still can't remember. Now, the, the corresponding game was back in the following, that season, was the game that you took with Venison scored and we won 5-1. Well, they've come up again. Uh, so the fellas have come out and I've met them. We've got the bus in the town and every couple of pints. And I kept apologising, no need, son, now we've all been there, we've all been there. And I said, well, look, it's the first time in my life it's happened. There has been another one my, twice now, but 19-year-old, first time in my life this has happened. And I was so embarrassed, I said, look, I really need to apologise to your wife. Keep, keep like, digging, Stu. Oh, there's really no need, there's really no need for this. <laughs> and they were having a bit of a party back at the house, and uh, as, as, as the game finished, you know, we'd been sitting in the room up the hip flask and everything, sitting in the Gallagher end. And we, like I say, we won five one. Getting the the bus back, and we were getting off at their stop. And I thought, should I stand up and go with them or not? And it was just like, okay, see you tomorrow, mates. It's all that. Uh, nice mm. meet you again. <laughs> no, I'm not welcome back in there. Like, so that was my first recollection of uh, going to a Villa game away. And I think it's probably the reason why I don't like Aston Villa. Sorry yeah, to take up so much time, but I just thought I'd share that and then publicly embarrass myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stu, I think that, I think our regular viewers are going to get used to your uh, your stories like that, mate. So uh, don't never, never, never apologize. We all bring something different to the show. Now, this has already been mentioned in the chat, George. But um, I want to get you. I want to get everyone's opinion on this. What does this mean as a Newcastle uh, fan when you see this? Of course, this happened against Aston Villa. Oh. The ultimate, the ultimate embarrassment, that, for me. Uh, Kieran, Kieran Dyer and Lee Boyer um, being separated um, by uh, other players on the pitch in front of 52,000 people. Uh, Graham Souness was manager, I think, at the time. What does that mean to you, George, when you, when you see that? I mean, were you at the game and what, what was your initial impression when you saw that? Horror, absolute horror, Steve. I mean, there's somebody that's been in the game, it's one thing fighting with the opposition, but when you start fighting with your own people, uh, it you know, it's it just horrible. It, 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 it was an indication for me of how far down we were going when that yeah. sort of thing was happening. I mean, were the stories about uh, Sooners having to go to the police station and get Dyer out the, out the cop shop because he was caught, arrested for being drunk and crashing his car and all that rubbish. That was bad enough. But when that happened on the field, that really is... Um, your, your club's in real trouble when that happens. And it, it means... And it really means something you lads have talked about before. Nobody in that club had any control. It's quite clear. They were just doing what they liked by the look of it. And it got onto the field. I suspect those two probably fought off the field in the dressing room occasionally, and it just found its way onto the field. Horrible, Steve. You just can't can't describe it. And, and for me, neither would have ever played for Newcastle again. For me, they'd have been on the transfer list that night and gone. As far as I was concerned, it was it. Yeah, just showed an indication of uh, this is our clubs have gone in the wrong direction on all sorts of fronts. Uh, and in particularly on that one, uh, no, it's it, awful. It makes me shudder when I think about it. Mitch, it was embarrassing to see you know two grown men go hammer and tongs in a black and white shirt in front of not just the the fifty two thousand there, but obviously to a worldwide audience. And um, I think George is right, isn't he? You know, it, it just showed you that the the club was in a in a downward spiral and. They brought a manager in um, who still is very critical of Newcastle United, Graham Souness, when he does his punditry. Um, oh, but yeah. you know, he, he did no, he did no better. In fact, the big disciplinarian failed massively. Absolutely, and it was, it was total sort of indication of how little control he really had. And he'll still sit. down. I, I know he, he, he does stuff with Sky still, but he's done stuff out here with BN. And, and, and every time he on and he's on, and every time he gets a chance. He just spouts out the same sort of lazy, stereotypical stuff about the fans and expectation and all of this. And you know what? We don't expect that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we don't expect. Yeah. And yeah. he absolutely didn't have any control <laughs> at all. The so-called hard man. You know, and I, I think, you know, what my dad says is right is in that I've heard things about Boya and Dyer off the pitch and it just spilled over onto the pitch. Um, I gather there'd been problems between them on the training ground for about two or three weeks before. And that was all tied in around the time when Dyer was busy sticking his Ferrari into the swing yeah. bridge with Hewley Water in the passenger seat and all that kind of nonsense, you know? And it was like a culmination of embarrassment. It was it was a re absolute recognition that the club was... It, it trained downwards that was inevitably going to see we're relegated in the not too distant future. Um, and it, it it was just a pure national embarrassment. Yeah. Steve, I mean, you know, I don't expect anybody to disagree, but um, were you at that game then? Did you, did you say that happened? I was at that game. I was actually, for the one and only time that I've been in level seven, uh, I had my cousin over from... Uh, from Canada, Brendan, he's going to be watching tonight, um, and he's in Montreal. He came over for a holiday, and uh, he loved coming over to, to Newcastle. He'd stay for uh, you know three or four weeks. He'd also always try and time it for a game, uh, and hopefully two or three, because at the time we also had European matches, so we always make sure we had tickets. And uh, I got a ticket for the for the for the level seven. Gave him my ticket. And he sat with Paul Tony in the East Stand, and. Uh, I just, I just, at first I, I couldn't quite make out because we had seen some bad at times. When you're up in level seven, you do need binoculars. 
And I looked down, I just couldn't believe what was going on. It was just like, what on earth's going on here? And and then I think I think that what summed it up, I mean the press conference, if you remember the press conference that he that he that Sunas insisted on having, or whether it was whether it was Shepard who insisted, I'm not too sure. But they had that press conference. And if I remember rightly, we had Sunas sitting in the middle, you know, like Judge Judy, and he had the two on either side. And they're sitting there like little schoolboys, lost, wondering what going on. I'm sorry about this, sir, you know. And I think it's not one where the tea lady suddenly walked in with a cup of tea for yeah. us and, yeah. and put it in front of him. Yeah. And, they, and, it, and he completely lost his train of thought. And I, and I just remember thinking, who's running this club? Who is running this club? Because at that point, I think we'd had, we'd had all sorts of shenanigans, hadn't we, over the, over the years. You know, we, we'd had the we'd had the the, the Shepard and Hall situation when they'd gone to Dubai and uh, they'd upset the Arabs and uh, you know we'd had the the, the Sheikh Gate we'd had we'd, we'd suffered the indignity of of uh, of Hullet, um, managing the club, um, we'd we'd had the 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 absolute shocking way that Sir Bobby had been got rid of um, by what was allegedly player power. Um, the young guns letting their mouth go, um, you know the, the the disharmony that was obviously in the camp, and we brought Sunas in to toughen it all up and sort it all out, you know, to to sort out the bellamies of this world from throwing chairs around airports and all this. Sunas was going to be the man that did it, and he had the biggest embarrassment. A lot he had two of his midfielders fighting and and getting sent off. Don't forget both of them, and we had to then yeah. carry on the game with nine men. Um, and that that's just like at that point you knew you just knew that the club was on a downward spiral and you know t- to be perfectly honest i mean we thought the spiral was ended when when ashley took over when ashley bought the club when sir john hall had got sick of it and been and been offered the money and 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 and, and ashley came in as the as the man as the billionaire that we'd never ever heard of with all the, with all the the sort of Big uh, finance behind him and the sports, the sports uh, emporium that he had just floated on the stock market. And he was going to be the white knight, and we thought that you know this was the new beginning. Little did we know within twelve months that that new beginning was the you know the start of an even more disgraceful downfall of the football club. To be quite honest, um, but that particular game, uh, just you, I think the lads have summed it up. You just shake your head and think, idiots. Absolute and utter unprofessional idiots. Yeah, I mean the apology, Stu, um, was weird as well, wasn't it? Steve's just mentioned it there, but you know when you know it should have been a case of putting them both on the transfer list to see to see them getting wheeled out and do this half-hearted apology was just yeah, it was just you know just crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was embarrassing. It's like what George said. They should have been on the transfer list before the game had finished and find as much as possible and be told, that's it, you're never coming back. Because uh, I know what Steve's just mentioned there, but talking about the beginning stuff, you know, it was meant to be the beginning of a new era. To me, it was the end of an era and it epitomised it. Yeah. You know, the lunatics had taken over the asylum. And to see, I was living in Tenerife at the time and as, as we're all aware, living abroad, you can see all the games live. And I'm sitting in a bar, which was the West Ham bar, and the old year was Newcastle. And it was just, it's embarrassing, you know, it, it makes us a laughing stock. And it just showed you after the highs of Keegan and Bobby Robson, the dream was finished. And unfortunately, we had nothing to show for it, you know. And so it wasn't even, it was, that was just the beginning of the end. Those two sitting at press conference, there was no remorse. It was just doing as they were told. You know, a blind man could see that they didn't mean it. And it was, it is, it's just embarrassing. And it, it goes on as soon as now he's still, or sourness as people call him, there's still, he still has to get a dig in about Newcastle. But if anyone watched a few uh, few games back, I think it was when they, they put all the games on live and they had Dyer and Sunis on at the same time. And he kept calling them gaffer all the time and boss. And, you know, it, it, it just smells of like, okay, you let us, because we had a disciplinary, disciplinarian in Bobby Robson. And you, you've given us a bit of a free rule. And he never bought into Newcastle. I think Sunas come in and thought he was bigger than Newcastle. Sim- similar to Hullet, thought he was bigger than Newcastle. And although he wasn't on the pitch, to me, he was as much of the cause as them to allow it to fight. Because as George rightly said, these two must have been at each other 
that, that's not the first time they've had words or yeah. even through each other. And that should have been nipped in the bud. Either take sides, one one's right, one's wrong, and get rid of the other one. And, it, and if we were, I think it was earlier this year, match the day did a, a poll of the 10 most memorable moments in the Premier League. And that was one of them. Newcastle yeah. were three out of the net, and that was one of them. And it's, again, let's just embarrass, embarrass us, and that, that's all they did. So <laughs> that's another reason why I don't like Aston Villa. <laughs> the trouble for me is that uh, Dyer was a serial offender, of course, because he had not, yeah. uh, just before Bobby Robson uh, left us, as everybody says, the shameful way, he had refused to play for Bobby Robson. And again, that shouldn't have gone any further. He should have been out. That's refused yeah. to play for somebody like Bobby. Uh, and in a big club like Newcastle United, there's only one answer to that is, well, well go find somewhere else and just put him on the transfer list. And then for it to happen again, like that embarrassing show, I think both of them should have been transfers. You say, Stu, before the match was over, they should have been on the transfer list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some interesting uh, people who played for both teams. I mean, there's a there's a the whole host of them. Any names spring to mind before I uh, pick out a few photographs of selected ones I've found, George? Because any, any of you can Nobby think of? Well, Nobby Solano, yeah, that's one. Yeah. Nobby Solano played for both. Well, Peter, Peter Wist has been mentioned by Neil and, and he was a real centre-forward, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Ginola. Yeah, Ginola, yes, that's a good shout. Yeah. 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 Stevie Watson. Steve Watson, yeah. 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 There's a whole host. Um, yeah. James Milner. Yeah. Yeah, Milner. Yes. Alan Thompson. Yeah. Tom O. Yeah. Shea Given. Yeah. She's in there as well, but there's a there's a hell of a lot of history, and if you go back through, I mean, um, Stephen Island's one, um, yes. Marlon Harewood, Happy yeah. uh, Happy Bay, Bay Franz Carr. You can go back as far as that, um, oh, you know, in times. But Peter Peter Witt's probably one of the older ones. Wayne Routledge, he played uh, for both teams as well. Aaron Hughes and uh, Joe Kinnear's favourite player, Charles Insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he also played for exactly. both teams. So uh, fast, fascinating yeah. connection between between them both. You know what I mean? The, the, um, the James the James Milner one obviously has uh, has uh, connotations for us, Mitch, doesn't it? Because that was a that was another one of the bones of contention that yes. we had with Lambayas uh, when we, when we when we stormed in and and. Uh, it was at the time when they, they got they got rid of they got rid of given and then the, then all of a sudden they did exactly the same with James Milner. I think he took the twelve million quid. Um, and another example of of I think when Keegan the when key, Keegan got the job, they did business. That's right, because we'd had him on loan. They'd lent him out, hadn't they? And then they, they brought him mm -hmm. back. And then Keegan Keegan wanted to build the midfield around uh, James Milner, and he didn't see him as a wide man. He saw him as a central midfielder, if I remember rightly. And I think in his in his first game against Stoke City, uh, when mm -hmm. Keegan came and just watched, and that was the only thing I think that he had, only message he had sent down uh, was to play Milner in the midfield uh, and play him in the centre midfield as well. And I think, if you remember right, he had a great game, an absolutely brilliant game. Um, and it was it was one of those games where you saw a different dimension to James Milner from the wide man that would that we could would seen previously where he, he was playing in fits and starts. Um, but... You know, another example of a young lad that we that we picked up from from Leeds around about the same time as Woodgate, um, and then basically just sort of you know didn't didn't see the potential that was there. And look at the career he's had since, and still has. You know, he's still playing for the. You know, he's won the championship yet again. This time for Liverpool, he previously won it for Man City. Um, he's had an, an outstanding career, and a, you know, a, a thoroughly amazing professional. Although I do recall my brother-in-law doing some work for him at a house once and he asked him to put a TV up on the wall. And he asked him where whereabouts on the wall and he was measuring from the skirt and board up and he had lined it up about six foot up. And he went, no, no, can you bring it down a little bit? And he went, so he moved it down a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. Till the end, it was about six inches or maybe a foot, if that, off the skirt and board. And he just said to him, you really want it there? And he went, yeah. He goes, why? He goes, oh, this is the room for the dog. <laughs> TV for the dog. <laughs> so, I don't know how many of you have both also got special rooms for the dog that cost like twenty five grand to kit out, but 
you know, that's what footballers can do, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, our, our dog lets us share this living room occasionally, as you heard <laughs> 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 when she was barking. <laughs> Lots of people suggesting uh, players who played for both teams, of course, Peter With, yeah. I mean, George, give us your memories of Peter With, please, because uh, it's a player that I never saw play. Obviously, he's one of those number nines who doesn't get the praise that he, he probably should have done. And, uh, you know, had he come to Newcastle at a, another time, well, maybe, he could have, yeah. maybe he could have made his mark a little bit more. Could, uh, it had the potential to be a, um, uh, a record breaker with us if he'd been given the opportunity or taken the opportunity. I'm not sure which. But the, the Peter With for me was just an old-fashioned centre forward, very hard, uh, give as good as he got, and sometimes a little bit more, but also quite skillful, brilliant header of a ball. There's no su- surprise in that, but also quite good on the ground. And I think he, you're right, he didn't get the credit for 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 what he did do. Uh, now whether that's because he he, he wasn't uh, ready for it, or the or the, the rest of the team weren't ready for him. But uh, he was a good player to watch. Very dangerous centre forward, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. big, stru- big, big strapping lad. Big. Was he good in the yeah. air? Yes, very, very good. good, very good. And and uh, took no prisoners. I mean, when he went into the penalty area to, to get a header from a corner, there was always three or four bodies lying on the ground after he got the header. He he, ne- he never just uh, uh, went for the ball and, and left it at that. You know, any anybody in the way he used to, used to get knocked about. So he was a real hard, hard man, but he was also quite skillful, I think. Do you remember that yeah. game as well that Kenneth Stark was <coughs> talking about, George? Do you remember that one? Uh, Newcastle against Aston Villa, 75 at home, 3-0 with one, two goals for Supermac and one for Tommy Craig. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those, once Supermac get two, everybody wants Supermac to get three. Uh, and I think my overriding uh, feeling when we came out is people around were quite disappointed because Super Mac didn't get a, didn't get a hat trick, <laughs> but uh, uh, but it, but it was a good a good game and a, and a good win really because uh, at that time uh, Villa were, um, weren't a bad team uh, at that particular time. Yeah, what's your favourite game uh, between Newcastle and Aston Villa, George? What What's the game that stands out for you the most in in all your years supporting Newcastle? Oh, it's already been mentioned by everybody on here, and that's the three one with Shearer's volley. I mean, that was yeah. that was that would be my favourite game against Villa. Um, and I said to you at the beginning, there was two crowd incidents that I, I, I that I remember Villa for. Well, there was a crowd incident at that match as well that I was involved in. Um, there used to be about eight of us used to go, about eight nearly used to go together and sit in the road in by 1892 until Lashley come and six of them decided they wanted no more. But never mind, that's another issue. Anyway, all sitting together and there was a, a quiet part in Lashley. One of the people that went with me was a colleague of mine from the university uh, called Mehmet Atle, Turkish, football mad, great friend of Emery, the lad that came uh, to the club, the Turkish player. Uh, and... Uh, Mehmet was watching the game and, and there was a quiet part of the game. Now, this man is uh, ex-Turkish international basketball player for the Turkish Navy, six foot six and about six foot six, six wide. And all of a sudden, a quiet part of that match, he stands up and he doesn't just stand up, he puts his arms up like that as well. So it's, <laughs> it's like watching Grey's Monument standing up in the bloody bar in 92. And, uh, and then he sits down and I says to him, What's that for, Mehmet? He says, oh, my family's watching on television and they couldn't see me, so they'll see me now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, just to let the family see he was there. And a, and a bloke behind him said, don't do that again, mate. My wife thinks it's a bloody Hulk after her. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite game, game goes a bit further back than that 3-1. It was a 4-3 and it was um, 1996, uh, St. James's Park. And a yeah. uh, crack, cracking game. Someone's mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier. But uh, Le Ferdinand got a, an early goal in that game, um, but not as early as Dwight York. Dwight York scored in the fourth minute, I think. Les Ferdinand scored in the fifth. And then it was just backwards and, you know, and, backwards and, and forward. New, yeah. new, new, Newcastle were 3-1 up, I think, at half-time. 
Um, Ferdinand got a couple of goals, and then the second half, uh, you know, Dwight York just went on a on a mission. He completed a hat trick, and uh, we all thought it was all over. And um, you know, we we managed to get a winner. I think it was Steve Howie got a uh, got our Howie, winning goal yeah, that day, yeah. and um, that was back in the day, of course, when the crowd was only thirty six and a half thousand uh, at St yeah. James's Park. But uh, yeah. fantastic, fantastic game that Pavel Cernicek and goal for Newcastle. I think Draper got sent off for Villa uh, just before half time. But that just seemed to give uh, Villa the um, the incentive to to dig in and, and try and get a result. You know, some, it was one of those crazy games where ten men seemed to play better. But uh, for me, that was a that was a fantastic game. I, I mean, well, you know, there's been a few great games like that where it's been a four three or a five four that I've seen. But that was that with with the best. So that's mine. Mitch, your your favourite Newcastle Aston Villa game? It's going to be the revenge game. That six one. I think. Just for what it meant, the statement it meant, um, the statement that said we're back. Do you remember Russ? We're back. Um, and 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 the energy in the crowd that day was just properly ridiculous. Uh, it, we really, really, you know, wanted that uh, so badly, and everybody on the pitch wanted it too. It was like the, the few who remained from the previous, the season before previous, didn't forget. Um, and, and we need more of that amongst our players. Because um, when the players care by it, makes a heck of a difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, 100%. The um, big shout-out, anyway, to uh, our sponsors. I uh, forgot to do that a little bit earlier. Uh, big thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals uh, for sponsoring uh, our StreamYard connection for this month. Uh, and a big shout-out to the lads at qtechshop.co.uk. And big shout out to John because he's been doing the T-shirts. And George, you got good delivery of your T-shirt. I see you've got it on there. Certainly did, yeah. Door to door delivery couldn't have be better. Couldn't be better. Big thanks no. to to Q Tech for that. It's uh, good quality. He's, I've he's, got mine on as well. He's a nice lad, by the way, John. He's he was good. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, don't forget as well. The uh, Christmas party, it's selling quickly. We've only got about 30 tickets left for this. It's in here to the food bank. Uh, www.newcastlelegends.com if you want to support that. £12 ticket. Uh, live Q&A with Lee Clark. And uh, a few of the chaps and chapesses will be down there. So get yourself along if you can. And the T-shirts I was mentioning are there. They're on sale on the website as well. If anybody wants one, thanks to QTech. Uh, for sorting those out after somebody asked if we could have them. So that's all the shout-outs. Uh, Steve, your favourite game then against Aston Villa. Are you going for a different one to, the, to me and the lads? Uh, no, I think this, I think like Neil, the 6-1, uh, because of what it meant after what we had previous. But I've got, I've got to say, to be perfectly honest, I mean, Villa have always played decent football. You know, they've always, they, were a, they were a good footballing side and they were a good traditional footballing side. Footballing club, you know, I, yeah. I was a bit, I was a bit flippant earlier when I said I hated them and I didn't like the ground and stuff like that. But the the, the whole thing about Villa was that they were they were, you know, supposed to be a well-run club. Uh, they'd won the FA Cup a number of times. Um, you know, they were they were, you know, the the one that, not the biggest club in 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 terms of stature, but. Where they were in, or where they are in Birmingham, they're certainly the biggest club in the Midlands. You know, I mean, they'd had a, they'd obviously been spells with <clears throat> with Wolverhampton Wanderers in the fifties when they had their uh, likes of Billy Wright and people like that, and they played you know European games and that type of thing. But but Villa, you know, the the, the built uh, the built an amazing team under Ron Saunders uh, at the back of the seventies, and then to get through to the European Cup final and win it in the manner that they did. Um, and you're talking about Peter with I think I think we only had Peter with for a season, if I if I remember two right. Seasons, yeah. I think. Yeah, two seasons, two. yeah. I think we got relegated, didn't we? And that was it. Uh, he he wanted to he wanted to get back into the first division, and we were relegated, uh, and that's why he left. And he talks about it in his in his autobiography. Um, but he he was he was a big, tough, strong centre forward, and he was what we needed. And you know, we'd had we'd had some big centre forwards, but we hadn't had centre forwards that also had the skill. That, that yeah. Peter with had. My dad used to call him a bit of a battering ram, but but yeah. he also felt as though he, he he came with he came with the butter and the jam. You know, he was like uh, he was a he was a proper player. He wasn't just you know he wasn't just sort of over physical and that's all the only attribute he'd had, which we'd seen or a big strapper, but couldn't do anything on the ground or in the air. The likes of a George Riley or somebody like that that my dad used to just used to recall and a Billy Whitehurst. Um, 
Peter was Peter was different, and he was a, he was a nice bloke as well. You know, he he came over as a gentleman. He's one of those blokes I think who, who on the pitch, probably put the fear of God into most centre halves, but uh, off the pitch he was a, sort of nice as Nightman's type of type of gentleman. You know, and there, there weren't many of those around in the game. And I think for that, for, for, for people like him, and then you saw it, him to have the success that he did um, winning the European Cup, it, it did make you feel, because he played for us, it made you feel as though you were part of that European Cup win in a way uh, for Villa. Um, because it, it was always, you know, you, in those days, you looked at your, at your ex-players and you thought, you know, I hope they do really well. Um, and we do have a history of, or we did have a history of getting rid of players that, that then didn't have any success. Now, it seems to be, you know, and it's been an ongoing argument that our, our discussion that we've had in the pub for many, many years. So, uh, well, hang on, once you leave Newcastle, you're on a downward slope, you know. It seems to be the other way around now. It seems to have completely flipped on its head, you know. Um, but it's that's that's Villa for you. And we've got to, we've got to say that because of the way that they went on uh, in that relegation season, um, that, that sweet revenge that we got with the six... Um, yeah. that, that was absolutely fantastic, you know. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was great. It was a great game, and um, you know, just as you did, Mitch mentioned it earlier, the atmosphere was was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Ferry Hill Mag said uh, the game that I was <laughs> talking about had Keegan all over it. You score three, we will score four. James yeah. Brown and a few others are mentioning the uh, the three nil against uh, Aston Villa in eighty four eighty five. Again, fantastic game that. I mean, Newcastle opening opening fixtures. They went top of the league briefly. That was after uh, Keegan Waddle and Beardsley had, had got us to promote. Motion. Cox walked out, and we had uh, we had uh, Big Jack, uh, obviously, yeah. who we've sadly sadly lost this year. Um, he was he was managing the team at the time, and um, yeah, we went top briefly, went uh, went to the, the the top of the table, and then I think we came back the if I remember right, the old Trafford. Uh, I think we got beat five nil. Um, in that game, and uh, I'm sure I had them bloody white socks on. Um, but yeah, I just I, rem- yes. I remember that game. I remember Alan Davies getting roasted in yeah. that game, and then uh, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah, it's, it's another memory. Stu, your favourite Newcastle Aston Villa game? Have you got a different one? Uh, yeah, I've got a different one. I'd like to say the revenge game that the lads have mentioned as well. But it, it's, I was living in, as I said, Tenerife at the time, and one of my memories from that game was watching Alan Shearer in the box, not in the penalty box, in the executive box, because he'd backed Andy Carroll for a hat-trick and he'd come running out rubbing his hands and I'm sure it was a match of the day that day as well. But changing from that revenge game to my own revenge game, I mentioned it earlier, it was the 5-1 after my uh, little episode in Birmingham the October before. And it was because, I don't know if we went one down, it was ones each early doors. But there was never any worry. It was Keegan's Newcastle. And they had this flamboyant swagger with no arrogance. It was just they had that innate belief that they were going to win and they would win their way. No, they wouldn't often grind results out. They would just play better than anyone else. Uh, and it was, it, to me, that just epitomised Newcastle and their pomp. Because Villa weren't a bad team back then. Uh, and, uh, and they were just swept them aside 5 1. So. Uh, that was that was that's the game that I was at that I liked much better because I was there. You know, I know the six 0 the revenge and sob on the time and all that. But for the game I was at, I would definitely say the five one. I saw that people. Somebody mentioned earlier about um, Villa being a bad ground to go to. I've got to be honest. When I've been down there, I've never had any issues, George. Is that is that the case with you? As I always found, like the Yorkshire games were were hard. The South Yorkshire police yeah. were always a bit of a nightmare yeah. for me. Or going down to Everton, I always found that a bit of a messy ground. And of course, places like Millwall, etc. You know, West Ham. Already... You know, you took you took your life in your hands. But Villa, mm-hmm. I always That's found right. okay. Never any problem. Uh, I mean, I've only been twice, uh, and I think once was for a cup semi final. I think, um, but uh, yeah, it, not necessarily the best ground. I mean, because it's, it's well, it's an old ground, very old ground. So there's bits of it that have fallen apart, uh, and still are when you see it on on TV. But uh, no, no, no uh, problems with things like police and all the rest of it, where you may get other places. I mean. Uh, well, you mentioned that West Ham is just horrendous. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. Um, 
but uh, nothing like that at, at, at Villa um, at all. Not 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 in my uh, experience anyway. Um, but it, as I say, it's it's not it's not a ground where I would be in a hurry to go. I've got to say because it's it, it's it's old and 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 you're likely to get stuck behind a, a pillar and all all that sort of thing, which which is painful. I think the only worst ground is is probably Goodison Park for me. Yeah, Mitch, any any bad experiences down at the Villa? Personally, no, not really. I know I adjusted his first away game with the lads on his own last year. Then he got thrown out of a pub for doing for destroying a wall in the beer garden by accident or something like that. But you know, I felt felt quite proud. I thought myself, I passed the baton on. That's very good. <laughs> um, but. Uh, um, no, you know what? It's a place. I, I tell you what mystifies me about Villa. Remember, they used to get loads of cup semis when they used to play the semis at neutral venue. Yes, and I yes. Never, never understand it. The, the ground was old. It was needing lots of work, and the pitch by the time the cup semis came around was like a plough feet. Same as Hillsborough. I could yeah. never understand it. I'm like, well, what? Was yeah. it? I get that it's central. I get that it's an easy place to get you if you're in London or the north, and it's hot, equally distant, and all of that. I get get the planning. It, it did make me wonder how much how much sway uh, Deadly yeah. Doug had over the FA to get the, all those cup semi-finals because it just seemed to be weird. You know, it's like, what are you playing it there for? Because sometimes you'd be playing it on a sand sand pitch. You know, it was like like a yeah. beach. Um, because it, you're absolutely it spot on there. Oh, and Stu's, yeah. Stu's right. Um, Sheffield Wednesday's Hillsborough was was just as bad, just as bad. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it was. It was. It's, it's it's they're they're one of the Villa are one of the original <clears throat> uh, twelve, aren't they? In the yes. in the football league, yes. so that you know that the, there's probably I wouldn't be surprised that there'd been something written because all semi-finals there was always one there and always one in Hillsborough. You know the sudden semi-final with a with a London team. It would, if it was a, if there was one London team, it was always they would always be at Villa Park, uh, right the way through the sixties, seventies. That was the way it always was, you know. Um, and it's it's it, it was obvious that it was the influence that the that the club had um, in in the football association um, with, like you say, Deadly Doug. It's that it's that it's that little word or that well that long word now that we're using quite a lot when we talk about football authorities uh, corruption you know with a small c it's that it's that corrupt nature of how football has has not just evolved but has has continued to to stretch itself um for decades and decades so when we when we hear about things happening in football we shouldn't be surprised because it's it's been like that since time immemorial. Little little things that swayed it like that, Neil. I tell you, who's yeah. got some great stories about Deadly Doug is Roy Aiken. Yes, yeah, uh, I can imagine sitting, 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 chatting to Roy Aiken about it. Honestly, I, I got to know Roy out here uh, when he was sporting director at Al Ahly. He was, he was actually a patient, mate. Um, really, really, he's the only patient I've ever gone a bit sort of starstruck with because I suddenly realised who. Of course, Stu. And you're sorry, second patient I've ever got. Uh, when I realised who was sat in the waiting room, I went a little bit like, oh. Um, Stu, there's, really lo- there's a really lovely guy. There's a difference between starstruck and seeing stars, Stewie. Uh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do it again yeah. next month. I'm back over next month for a couple of days. Twice, twice in the month. Well, coming up to the last. We're coming up to the last six or seven minutes. Go on, George. I'll just say it's a it's a talking about starstruck to pity Marjorie's not here. She she'd tell you her starstruck story. Can I quickly tell you, Steve? Yes, go on. Um I was working in Athens for the university, and on occasions when I was going to meet parents as well as kids at a school, I used to take Marjorie with us because she could talk to the mams. I mean, I could tell them a thousand times Newcastle was a brilliant place, but they didn't believe a bloody word I said. But as soon as Marjorie said it, all these ladies says, oh, Mrs. Mitchell says it's good, so we must go. Well, this day I was going out to a college and I didn't want to take Marjorie with because there was no mum's there. I said, look, you were in a hotel called the uh, Devani Acropolis, just below the Acropolis, and it was in the Placa, where it's a big shopping area. Because you have a day in the shops, and when I come back, I'll meet you in the bar and we'll go for a dinner. 
Russ says, you go down to the barn, I'll just nip up and put me bag in, and I'll come straight down, we'll have for dinner. So I come back from this college, I went through the hotel, and I could see the bars I went through, and I saw Marjorie sitting. And I could see that she was sitting, and there was a ring of fellas around, around her, uh, talking to her, you see. And I thought, well, that looks cosy, I'll see if it's a bob or two on whiskey. Anyway, I went upstairs, <laughs> got changed, and come back down, and walked into this circle for Marjorie to say it, it was... Uh, uh, George, this is Ryan, this is Gary, this is David, this is uh, Paddy, this is John, this is John. And what I'd forgotten was that Manchester United were in Athens to play Panathinaikos uh, in the European Cup. <laughs> and the, uh, Ferguson liked to go to the Intercontinental Hotel. And of course, this lot used to ask to go somewhere else, so they'd sent them to our hotel with Parry Crerand as the minder. So she's sitting talking to all those guys, not a clue. She didn't even know who bloody David Beckham was. And as Neil says, you, you, you're trembling. And here I am in the middle of them all, <laughs> shaking hands, you know. <laughs> and the two Johns were the, the people who run MU uh, 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 Manchester United TV. Um, one of them had had uh, said, oh, I've, I've my shirt for the dinner, the night's wrinkled. So God and Marjorie says, oh, I'll take it up the room and I'll iron it for you, you see. So where she goes to, with this large shirt that to iron it. And uh, Parry Credden, quick as a flash, said to him, you want to be careful. So this John looked at him and says, why? He says, well, there's a chance to come back black and white stripes with Shearer written on the back, mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Marjorie's, that's Marjorie's story. That's a classic. Okay, um, as always, uh, Michael Hurst uh, asked us, but we were we already had this on the list. We need we need your uh, all time eleven uh, between Newcastle and Aston Villa. Um, this should be quite easy when you think about the crossover between the two teams and the you know the the players that we've had. So one to eleven, um, Stu. I'm going to put you under pressure because you probably thought George was going to go first. So Stu, over to you. Newcastle, Aston Villa, eleven. From start to finish, your 11 players, and give us your manager as well. Well, I was hoping George was going to go till the end of the team, so I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> <He's sorry. laughs> uh, well, again, I've already documented my dislike for Aston Villa, so it would just try and be unbiased. I'd have to, only, the only Villa players I would pick would be the ones that I'd played for Newcastle as well. Fair so, enough. If we go for a given in goal, uh, we'll see. Warren Barton at right back. I'll just do the Keegan team. Beresford left back. Uh, we'll use Janola and Solano as wingers because they mm -hmm. played for both. Um, again, I've got to have Gaza in the middle. You've got to have Shearer up front. So that leaves, what, two, three spaces? It would probably be similar to the team I used last week. Um, you've got to have Beasley there somewhere as well. So Manager. I'm trying to write them. Manager has to be Keegan. Has Keegan. to be Keegan. If you want to, if you want to watch football and enjoy football, it has to be Keegan. But before the other lads go, the team is one thing I want to mention about another reason against Aston Villa is, Mitch, uh, you remember like, I was doing a lot of work in China in the Far East over the last years. The company oh, I'm working for, they were trying to crack the Far East market. Yeah, I was being sent to all these different foreign places in China, and last December it was early December last year. I was sent to Shanghai. Now, to leave Bahrain, I had to work all day, get to the airport for six, fly at eight, get to Dubai, five-hour layover, fly another eight, nine hours and work to Shanghai. Then I flew with an Egyptian guy, fantastic lad, salt of the earth. And we get to Shanghai. I've got the British passport. We've both been to the Chinese embassy beforehand to get stamped to say that we're allowed in. But they do a random stop. And it's always the Arab boy that gets randomly stopped in China. Every time we've been, he's all, I guess, randomly stopped. Eventually, we get back to the hotel, into the hotel for their time with 12. Basically, I've been awake for about 40 hours. Newcastle were playing Aston Villa at four in the morning, their China time. There was an eight, I think it was a Monday night kickoff last this season just gone. And I set the alarm to get up to watch it, and we got beat 2 0. And I had to do an event the next morning. I had two hours sleep. So that's another reason I didn't like Villa as well. Sorry to run on. I'll leave, you, I'll, I'll leave you to pick your team. I just thought I'd give you more time oh, to pick keep, your teams because Steve just threw it out of me there. That's just a really classic, that, like, That's a classic. Time-wasting time. I really thought I was good last. Oh, there you go. He's up, 
All four, Go all on, three Steve. of those are pink. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rattle off a Newcastle team that just rolls off yeah. the edge of your tongue continuously. I'll go McFall, Craig Clark, Gabe Burton, Monker, Barraclough, Smith, McDonald, Tudor, Hibbert. That's a that's a team that was just that was just always as a youngster, as a kid at school. That was a team that was like the '74 Cup final team, uh, bar a couple of injuries because obviously David Craig didn't play. Frank Clark had to switch on to the right hand side and. And Kennedy came in, but that was that was a team that 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 it seemed to be a constant. It just seemed a team that rolled up your tongue. That was Joe Harvey's team uh, that he would always try and play um, when I was at school. Uh, so that's that's my team of the day. I'll just call it my team of the day. There's not a Villa player in sight, but I tell you what, that that Good team man. would would beat any Villa team that would that you could stick in front of. Her. Go on the Mitch. So yeah, I've been thinking about this this week. You see. Ah, so, you've done a bit of planning. Ah, so I'll have, I would have Schmeichel in goal because I would always have Schmeichel in goal in any any team. Anybody who knows me will know if I pick a world's best ever eleven, Schmeichel is in goal. Um, then back four, I'll have James Milner at right back, and then I'll have a centre back pair in a Javi Bay and Paul McGrath, who was a centre back oh. I would love to have seen at Newcastle United. Um, Aaron Hughes will slot in at left full back, and then across the midfield we'll go Solano. And Zogbia, Cowens, and Ginola. And then we'll have Peter with Peter with up front with their little Alan Shoulder off him. Because I've always had a little soft spot for Alan Shoulder. And we'll make Roy Aiken the manager. Wow. <laughs> That's quite good, eh? You have thought you put yeah. a hell of a lot of thought into that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you must yeah. have had a quiet week at the dentist. George. <laughs> we um, <laughs> <laughs> Difficult to get past uh, the team Steve picked, to be perfectly honest. Um, as he says, it just it just rolls off the tongue, and uh, when you think of what they used to produce for Keegan and, and so on, it uh, um, it's difficult to beat it. To be perfectly honest, uh, the only exception I might be to take is that uh, I think Neil's right about Schmeichel. I don't think there's been a better goalkeeper than Schmeichel. But other than that, I would pick Steve's team uh, straight away. No bother. Okay, <laughs> finish off with uh, celebrity fans. Um, by God, there's a few of these, by the way, and there's uh, there's a bit of rightly and a, and a few political ones and a few celebs. So take your pick, um, Nigel Kennedy. Oh, the fiddler. Aye. Probably, probably the best known Prince one. Out. Is well, he? Yep, there he is at yeah. the match with a scarf yeah. on, and he is he is a genuine Villa fan. Oh yeah, hi. This guy's professional. Yeah, right. sure. Ah, very good. Martin George, sure. George Gently, of course. Um, Aussie. Aussie Osborne. Is he a Villa fan, is he? Yeah. Well, according to uh, according to popular opinion, he right. is. Aye. And he is, uh, yeah. Horace, Horace Gump. <laughs> we spoke about spoke about this earlier. I was like, somebody said that, and I it was it was I was chatting to Zara about it, and I says. He was. How does he? As I was, has he made a film with somebody from from there? Has he? What what's his involvement? You know. And I said, like, was it through Randy Lerner or somebody like that? And she said, no, because he, he's not even from like the Cleveland Browns area of American football. He's he's a he's a Californian guy. You know. So where that came from, I don't know. I'm not. Steve, did he not do a did he not do a film uh, like a submarine film from the bottom of a wardrobe or something? Oh God knows. <laughs> uh, Tom Tom Hang supports Leicester, according to Ben. But uh, no, he's down there. You can check up. He's down there on there. And uh, Tom mentioned somebody. I resisted the temptation to put David Cameron up because oh. I would have just got called all the Tory. You know, <laughs> the name under the sun. I resisted the, temp the temptation was that close to put the photo of me and David Cameron up, but I went, No, I, I, I can't be bothered with being on Twitter all night and getting spammed, called a Tory. So, uh, did he support Aston United or something? Aston he United, them, yeah, he got them mixed yeah, yeah. up with West Ham with a shirt color or something, didn't he? You know? Tom, Tom Dixon, yeah. Tom Dixon, trying a controversial one, and he says Steve Bruce is a Villa fan, so there we go. <laughs> um, of course, we all know the real reason that everybody 
everybody tunes in uh, the show. Please give it a like, hit the thumb before you finish. Give it a share. If you want, give it a share to some of these groups on Facebook and Twitter. It's always good to get the word out. We'll get new fans every week. If you're a new visitor, please subscribe. If you want to join and hire a couple of quid in, that would be great. Um, but as always, we know the real reason people tune in is to find out what the Three Amigos picture is going to be for tomorrow night's show. Uh, we're starting at the later... We're starting at the later time of 7 o'clock, and it's once more Into the Breach with Mitch, me, and Steve. <laughs> hey. I think that's quite regimental. It looks good. That hey. It'll do. It'll I, like do. That, I like the fact that Mitch has got the Baldrick. He's got the Baldrick uh, costume on. It looks like Mitch has got a cunning plan. The world, my friend. Cunning all the cunning plans. <laughs> Yeah. The plan's so uh, cunning, you can put a tail on it, you call if, it a fox. If it was a wanted <laughs> post, if, if it was a wanted post, then nobody would ever find you. <laughs> exactly, you're right there. <laughs> people, people do love that. And uh, so don't forget as well, we have talked about it, because there's no match uh, this weekend, uh, we are going to do a retro. Um, it is already on YouTube. We're not going to be screening the game. Um, so what we want you to do is go onto YouTube. Uh, we'll stick the link underneath the uh, underneath in the information below. You can watch YouTube on one window and stick, uh, stick our commentary on. And we'll be talking and taking your comments on the wonderful 5-0 win against Man United uh, in that in that season, 96 uh, 95-96 season. Uh, great, great game. We're doing that at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, Lads, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, look forward to having you back on next week. And uh, obviously we'll be going into the, the bees next week, I think. So I think, um, we'll think we'll look at Blackburn next week, eh? Or Barnsley. Right. What do you think? Hey. Is there, you got it? Black. Blackburn or Barnsley? Blackburn. Which, which, Birmingham as well. Black. Birmingham. Let's I tell you what, like, we'll have like a discussion. Bird. We'll have a dis- we'll have a discussion in our little group, and we'll have a discussion. We'll come up which is the best one, but we'll be doing the B next week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great show. People, have, the feedback's great. Everybody loved it. So um, you know, big thanks to you, lads. Look forward to speaking to you uh, next week on the Retro Show. Take care, lads. And you. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers, Night, everybody. Cheers. Night.